Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. Welcome to Max Mike Movies. In this, our second series, we'll be discussing a different movie each week, a movie that falls into the category of what we're calling Hidden Gems. These are movies we both think are fun, interesting, or otherwise worth seeing, but for some reason they don't seem to have reached a particularly wide audience. We'll go over the plot of the film in our show portion, go back and forth over the film's merits, points, and details in the lowdown, and finish up with the roundup, where we discuss why we think the film deserves a wider audience, and maybe try to figure out why it doesn't have one. I am your host on the East Coast, Max Levine. And I am the monkey boy from the Midwest, Mike Luce. Indeed. And the movie we're talking about this week is the 1996 Tom Hanks film, That Thing You Do! Exclamation point. Now wait, what is the thing that Tom does? This movie. That's it? That's it. Oh. Yeah. It's an age-old question and that's the answer? That's the answer. What is that thing you do? This movie. Thank you. Good night. Wow. We're Mm -hmm. done. The show. Yeah, so this movie is basically a rock fable. It follows the rise and fall of a pop band out of Erie, Pennsylvania, called The Wonders, initially spelled O-N-E-D-E-R-S, but they changed that when too many people call it the O-Neaters. <laughs> Uh, O-Nators. For, you know, O-Nators or o yeah. Four young men, they hit the big time with the titular hit song, That Thing You Do. The story follows the four of them and the lead singer's girlfriend, Faye, throughout their sudden rise to fame and the difficulties that accompany it. The movie also, although this isn't readily apparent, it takes place in 1964. It was readily apparent. Hmm, really? That year? Yeah, they said that it was 1964. Oh, good. Well, then it is. <laughs> so you're lying again. Yes, I am. <laughs> Can't trust you for a moment. I look away not, and there he is lying. Not as far as you can throw me. Nope. <laughs> Well, not from the mid-coast, anyway. No, no. So I have a number of interesting facts about this movie. Oh, wait, before you get to that, could, yes? we, get to, could we get to some trivia? Okay, we can get to the uninteresting facts, or the <laughs> interesting minor facts, or shut up, that's what. That's my uh, first, favorite part. This was the first movie, both directed and written by Tom Hanks. Wait, first and, movie, there's another one? Yeah, he's uh, written and directed, or he's at least directed or written a number of other movies. Really? Yeah. How yeah, look them up. Huh. Hmm? Yeah. Uh, by the way, the song, the title song, which, uh, that thing you do, which you hear in pieces <laughs> or in its entirety a total of 11 times in the That's movie. That's all? <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, it's only 11, and you only hear the whole thing start to finish twice. Yep. And that's okay. at the very first time they play it and the very last time they play it. But boy, you hear it. Anyway. Oh, yeah. 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 Did, you, did you, you know who wrote it? Uh, Tom Hanks? No. Adam Schlesinger, the bassist of the band Fountains of Wayne. And uh, he wrote it as in response to a contest being held by the studio. The song won. It was used in the movie. And this was uh, done just before their first album came out. The main thing anyone knows Fountains of Wayne for is the song Stacy's Mom. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yep. I know that one. Mm-hmm. Stacy's Bob has got it going on. Yeah. Please, please, for the love of God, don't. Song would never have been a hit with a voice like that. <laughs> you never know. Uh, this also has the odd oddity of this is the only film, at least as of 2016, when I read this, 
to feature most of the Hanks family. Tom Hanks is in it, his wife Rita Wilson, his son Colin Hanks, and his daughter Elizabeth Hanks are all in the movie. Well, what, what are the kids doing? Yeah, Rita, his wife, is the waitress Marguerite in the jazz club who's kind of hitting on Guy. Oh, one of the two cougars? I mean, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Yes, <clears throat> Colin, ha- Colin Hanks has the critical role of being the usher in the theater who takes Faye to her seat at the end. Ooh who has no audible line, and Elizabeth Hanks is, and this is how it's listed in the credits, Bored Girl in Dress Shop. Huh. Yeah, she's in the background when Faye is buying her dress. I'm going to have to interject here to say that if she was not in this film, the Mm -hmm. entire plot would have fallen apart. It really would have. She was the (laughs) linchpin. I will actually say that I did note the son because as she was being led in, I'm like, wow, who's the peach fuzz? Looked like (laughs) Tintin. Yeah, yeah, that's that's Colin. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Well done, Colin. Nicely done. Now, there are a lot of, with the, the O'Neaters, oh, the, <laughs> the uh, band, there are a lot of very obvious and slightly less obvious parallels between them and the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I mean, both of them, their in, initial uh, band name is supposed to be a play on words using music no- nomenclature. Right. Uh, the, thing, the whole thing is that the hit song, the thing, That Thing You Do, is a sped up version of a slow ballad which is the same thing that happened with the Beatles song, Please, Please Me. Huh. Mm. You know, uh, I wh- try to please, please you, Max. <laughs> yes, but you don't love me, do, do you? No, I no. don't. You're just a real nowhere man, a fool on the hill. <laughs> um, you know, that word fired is coming to the forefront of my mind again. You're, you're Sergeant Pepper's lonely heart. Help me, I can't stop. Perhaps I shall beat you. <laughs> I, th- I think that might be appropriate. <laughs> like the end of last episode. Move uh, on. <laughs> yep, yep. Couple, uh, some of the little things. When uh, the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan in 1964, oddly enough, there's the shot. They, they did the same thing they did on the uh, comedy the television cavalcade, whatever, the sort of Ed Sullivan show mm-hmm. that the Wonders are on, where they're showing the captions with the guy with the bitter names. And uh, when Jimmy's picture comes up, it says, Careful girls, he's engaged, which upsets him, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, when they were showing the Beatles, they show a picture of John Lennon, and it says, Sorry, girls, he's married. Huh. Hmm. Also, but it wasn't to Yoko. No, no, that was <laughs> that was uh, Cynthia Lennon. That's another thing, by the way. You know the bit where they're at the State Fair, and they are rushing off to get in the cab to fly off to California, and Faye almost gets left behind? Yep. And Guy spots it. That happened to John Lennon's wife, Cynthia Lennon. They thought she was a female fan. They didn't let her get on the train. Unfortunately, in the real world... Nobody noticed, and uh, she was left behind. Rut-row. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of a, a, a future echo, or a, or a prediction there, because yeah, eventually yeah. Cynthia... Yeah. Well, you know yeah. why? Because she couldn't... <laughs> <laughs> That's right, she couldn't run a rake across the chalkboard and call it singing. <laughs> Don't have a war. <laughs> Sorry, Yoko. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of people slagging on her for breaking up the Beatles. <laughs> Don't blame it on Yoki. Um, <laughs> Don't go bare naked on us. <laughs> uh, both at, both of the bands reached their fame after replacing their original drummer. Oh, that's right. Pete Best. Yep. Who awesome. turned out that was the worst decision. <laughs> and oh. each group, they lost their original bass player. The original bass player for the Beatles was Stuart Sutcliffe. You're right, right, right. Yep. Which they did that great movie Backbeat. Did you ever see that? I don't think I did. Because Stuart Sutcliffe, if I remember correctly, he was suffering from some sort of brain 
ailment, mm. and I think he died from it. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But there was a movie called Backbeat, and it was all about the Beatles doing the whole German thing because, you know, before they be, or actually, might even before that in the Cavern Club. Oh. Um, and it was Stuart Sutcliffe, he was part of the band, and, and how he basically, it's like right before they become the Beatles. And huh. he doesn't make it. I think it's. I think he's. He's suffering from some sort of brain. Uh, I don't know if it's a tumor or something oh, like okay. that. But it's much it's, less dramatic in this movie because uh, here the bass player just goes off to join the Marines. Well, <laughs> yes, but he goes off to join them in Disneyland. Yeah, well, <laughs> nice, nice, nice kid, buddies. nice kid. Uh, if you know what I mean. We'll get back to him. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much. Oh, the only other thing, and it's not really, it doesn't really count because it's not readily apparent in the theatrical release, in the director's cut. No, wait, you which, told me not to watch that one. Yeah, the director's cut. I that's exactly you shouldn't. But there are echoes of it that go through the rest of the movie. The director's cut is like almost half an hour longer, and it's not. It's you can see why they cut it, but there are more obvious things. For example, Mr. White uh, has a boyfriend. And, really? Yeah, Mr. White is supposed to be gay. <laughs> well, you know, it's so obvious through yeah. Tom Hanks' performance. Wait, yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the Beatles manager, Brian Epstein, was also gay. That's true. Mm-hmm. So that's most of the Beatles stuff. Uh, speaking about of the bass player, did you first off, did you recognize the actor? Yes, I did. Yes. We have a little reunion going on here. We have yes. a little Empire Records reunion going we on. We do. Both Ethan Liv Tyler. Embry. Ethan Embry was Mark yeah. in... Uh, in Empire Records. Now, let me ask you this. His character. What's his name? Yeah, um, I found that out because it's like, yeah. oh, what? Uh, wait, his name is the bass player. That's yeah, it's the literally, best they could do. His name in the credits is TB Player. Yeah, the bass. The bass, the bass player. Although he claimed in an interview that the name was actually Tobias. Uh-huh. But you never hear it. But it's with a I mean, C, just to mess with their minds. When they're showing, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Tobias spelled with a C. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When they uh, they're uh, doing the uh, TV show, he's already left the band, so we don't see his name up. And at one point, Guy is listing the people in the band. Yes, we've got a great band: Jimmy and Lenny and me and Faye. He leaves out the yep. bass player completely. Yep. I poor Wolfman, it, poor Wolfman's just sort of forgotten because he's like, well, and, and the rest. He's like yeah. the Professor Marianne. Well, I, we'll, we'll talk about him, too. I thought I think uh, that whole thing's an interesting bit uh, with the Wolfman just sort of being brought in. Oh, uh, Tom Hanks also named his production company after this movie. He called it Playtone oh. after, after the record company in this movie. Well, I guess I won't be making that recording company. <laughs> Afraid not. Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, the choreographer. Of this movie. <laughs> there was one? There was, you know, for the dance numbers at the state fairs and such. They just that did was, the frug. That was Tony Basil. Oh, dear God. Yes. As Please, in, oh, if Mickey, you start... No, no, no. Oh, la, la, Mickey, la, you're la, so la, fine. La, you're stop so it, fine. Stop you it. blow my mind. Hey, Mickey. <laughs> <sighs> so for those who don't know, and hey, that's all of you listening to this. Probably not true. There's a couple of you who will know this. Oh, uh, I actually, I actually go by Mickey at work. Um, because when I got to work, I was Mike number eight and I was like, I'm not doing that. So, uh, there are actually now more people in my life, even though I've only worked there for a short of five years that know me as Mickey than don't. Mm -hmm. So, but please don't. <laughs> There's even sort of a little musical tribute. Uh, her song, Mickey has the line, you take me by the heart when you take me by the hand. The Chantreline song says, I want you to know when you hold my hand, you hold my heart. It's not actually her song. It's a cover. 
Oh, okay. It's a British Ooh, I song. I only recently oh. found that out, too. And I was like, what? They have a head cover? Uh, yeah. It is oh. a sped up, dumber version of the British <laughs> song. Yeah, but it was catchy as hell. Yes, it was. Mm. And uh, the, in the middle of this, the uh, Wonders end up basically as a musical act in a major motion picture, uh, <laughs> Weekend at Party Pier, which is a... Well, I can't even say veiled. It is really obviously a, a, a minor ripoff of the Frankie and Annette Beach movies. But at least yep. it had Moondoggy Frank, in it. Yep, Frankie, except this time his name is Goofball. Yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. you know, Frankie, Avalon, and Annette Funicello, for our younger viewers, did a whole bunch of these goofy-ass beach movies, which were known for really terrible acting, silly dialogue, and bizarre guest appearances. Oh, yeah, oh, uh, uh, um, um, the silent we, film actor, um... Buster Keaton Buster is in Keaton. one. <laughs> Vincent Price, Don Rickles, uh, all these people. It was all un- of these people that you want to see in swim trunks. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and had, if you want to search be- be- or, uh, surf movies or beach movies, I highly recommend avoiding the entire genre. Yeah, it, you really can live a very long, happy, productive life, never, ever seeing it. Any of those, they are just ridiculous. Never, ever, ever see. Whap! <laughs> Ow! Catalina Kafer is no good either. <laughs> uh, this is on uh, MST3K. The band they play in it, Captain Geach and the Shrink Shrimp Shack Shooters, <laughs> is actually named after two restaurants near Beaufort, South Carolina, where a lot of the scenes of Forrest Gump were shot. Ah. Uh, Captain Geach is on Lady was on Ladies Island, but is now closed, and the Shrimp Shack is still open for business. Is it Bubba Gump's Shrimp Shack? Not quite. Oh, oh and the uh, the director, as it were, of Weekend at Party Pier, you see him in one shot, he has almost no, he has like one line, that's Jonathan Demi. Oh, dear the, gods. Yeah, guy who did Silence of the Lambs and directed Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. In a role that will surprise you. <laughs> yes, indeed. That's my radio voice. Yeah, the uh, one thing they sort of get wrong about that is... In real life, in those movies, uh, no producer would ever let the, uh, their band have a fake name. They would oh. they would have used the real one. I mean, to, when they used to have some remarkable music uh, acts in those movies, Stevie Wonder was in one. The Supremes, the Righteous Brothers, the Animals, even Sonny and Cher. <laughs> well, hell, I like the way you put that. Even yeah. Sonny and Cher. Well, hell, even the one you uh, you foolishly brought up, Catalina <laughs> Caper, has Little Richard in it. And as Little Richard, I mean, they they would not have made up that that part. They got wrong. They would not have made up a name. That's okay because mm. it actually works well with the plot. I think. Yeah, and it, it's, it helps. It's it funny. helps break I up mean, the band. Oops! Also, spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the uh, the radio station they go on KJZZ KJZ or excuse mm. me, K, it's just supposed to be KJazz. That's a real station in Phoenix, Arizona. Ah. Yeah, it switched to cages in 1985. And let's give it up for our good friend Clint Howard, who shows up oh, uh, as the Bauer. DJ. <laughs> Always uh, fun also, to... I haven't watched this yet, but in the latest Rift Tracks release, hey, we're getting money back. No, we're not getting any money from them. Uh, the mm-hmm. Ice Cream Man, apparently an amazing horror film. Oh, that's starring... right. Starring Clint Howard. Clint Howard, yeah. Yes, Eating in Clint his great ro- greatest role since Killdozer. Selling frozen Tranya on a stick. <laughs> I hope you relish it as much as I. <laughs> oh, Bailey. <laughs> so, any uh, other trivia? 
Um, only that Tom Hanks claimed he wrote the script while he was on the promotional tour for Forrest Gump because he was so bored doing nonstop interviews. Oh, see, I he thought just, you were going to say he, he claimed he wrote it while on the under the influence of something. But, no, uh, no, no. <laughs> um, there's a lot of other stuff. I mean, at the be- in the first part in the talent show, uh, there's this terrible girl folk group singing I Can Hear the Children Laughing. Yes, yes, there <laughs> is. The bass player for that, and this is like something you only would know if you read this, is Jennifer York who is a morning helicopter traffic reporter for Kitla. Not Kitla, everything. Kitla knows everything. Kitla knew KTLA Channel 5 in Los Angeles. Trust Kitla. Everything Kitla does is wonderful. Use yep. radar with Kitla. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Okay. The Lowdown. And here we go. <laughs> no, no, don't do the twist. I mean twist. Oh. How else will I get to the lowdown? Right. So ah, this film, I yes. gotta get to my. I have to get to my notes. You know. <laughs> so I. I had never heard of this film. Yeah, it like, was not a huge success. No. Did you find out about like its budget versus its take or anything? I, or I did not. Okay. Yeah. It's like I literally never heard of it. So when you brought up the title, it's like what film? <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, mm-hmm. And I can see why I wouldn't necessarily have glommed onto this even if i had seen a preview and i'm betting i didn't even see that because uh it not the sort of film that i probably would have sought out um and so i had no idea what to expect when the film started it had that sort of catchy little um percussion thing and it's like oh it feels like the general cinema theme um (laughs) you mean that loving you lots and lots or what, well, just before that, it actually becomes a song. It's just oh, doing okay. some rhythm stuff, you know, True. some dee, 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 and it's like, oh, general. Oh no, it's not general cinema. Um, for those who don't know the original general cinema theme, if you check it out on uh, YouTube, it's there. But that's when I saw films as a kid. That's what I saw. So, uh, mm-hmm. other things I saw when I was a kid when they're in the uh, the opening of the film when they're in the um, Patterson's appliances store uh, and they're fiddling with the TV. That is the 13 inches of the black and white that I grew up with. That's oh, the wow. exact model. And it's like, I know that TV. Um, well, I like the fact eye- that they're, they're one of the shows that they, they're sort of playing in the background on the TVs in the appliance store is, of course, Fireball XL5. Yep, fire, yeah. My heart will be a fireball. Oh, Lord, spare us. A fireball. <laughs> oh, by you the know, way, he the- just finished at the, they're puppets. They're marionettes. <laughs> Yeah, by the way, their budget was $26 million. They made about $34 million. So, yeah. no. <laughs> huh. Oh, well. Mm. Uh, oh, well, obviously, it wouldn't be a, a hidden gem, now, would yeah. it? Yeah. Um, the, uh, also, the, what was it? The Zenith Black and White. Uh, hey, did you know Tina Fey was in this movie? <laughs> well, because there's sort a character of. named Tina, and there's a character named Fey, yeah, and they were introduced yeah. right next to each other, but if you would smash them together, they make <laughs> Tina Fey. Yeah, boy. Talk about like wow! Let's see, isn't that interesting? Two of their two, their girlfriends are two of the most beautiful women on earth. How did that happen? And you know that wig did amazing things because I totally did not recognize Charlize Theron. Yeah, Charlize Theron, who by the way was the first actress who was who auditioned for that role, and they Tom Hanks just looked at her and said, "That's it. She's we're, <laughs> we're gonna get we're giving you the part." She's kind of wasted. I mean, oh, she, she is barely anything to do. Although she, you know, from the beginning, it's like, well, we know, yeah, that yeah. that that Skitch there. By the way, Skitch, uh, love that name. Had <laughs> yeah, a D and D character named Skitch once. <laughs> that's right, because uh, they call him Skitch because uh, Guy Patterson, who's the drummer in this, uh, is also is sort of like they refer to him as Erie's only beatnik. 
Yeah, it's weird though because it's like his name gets used a couple of times and then he gets referred to as Shades. Mm-hmm. So yep, it's either because, Guy or Shades. But yep, when Mister White takes over, uh, he gives him a pair of uh, Foster Grants and says, "Wear these all the time." They become his signature, and that's he becomes yep. that character. He becomes Shades. Yeah. So I'm going to ask right off the top, uh, how did you find out about this film? Did you see it when it came out? I did see it when it came out. I actually saw that in a very odd way. It was, I believe, in 1996. I saw it in Las Vegas when I was working for a computer company. We went to Comdex. <clears throat> uh, Max? What? Uh, what happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas? <laughs> not, well, not back then. Um, <laughs> what were you doing when watching this film, Max? Hmm? No. Our listeners want to know, Max. Max, you must tell us now. <laughs> I was working a booth at Comdex for oh. a company called a non a company that no longer exists called Iconovex. Was and, it a dirty booth, Max? Was it dirty, dirty no. booth? <laughs> no, although it didn't stop all these people from handing us porn flyers and flyers <laughs> for script clubs and. Uh, and of course, so you, you saw know, the film at a strip club? No, I did not. I saw it oh. in the. I don't even remember what hotel Comdex was in that year, but I was. Uh, my shift was over, and I didn't want to walk back through the eight thousand degree temperatures to uh, the hotel. So I was looking around to get a prostitute. Is that what you're saying, Max? <laughs> to get a prostitute? No, no, I did not get a prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> a lady of the evening. The, they were showing the movie. They, they apparently this is one of the places it premiered, and they were showing it in the hotel for free. So oh. I just went in and watched it. And what did you think? I liked it. I was like, this is really, I, this is just very sweet. I mean, it is, it's a rock and roll fable. And I thought, you know, my God, considering you hear this song 11 times, you don't get tired of it. I didn't anyway, because mm. it's so catchy and so peppy and it's so utterly inoffensive. It I is mean, very catchy. Yeah. And it's, but it, there's nothing to it. No. It's, it's just, it's adorable. It's but, a love song about anybody. Yeah. It, there's nothing unique about it. There's no clever hook. Uh, but it, it stay, it's an earworm. It stays with you. I was, you know, that song was in my head for months after that. Did Just, you, uh, speaking of music, did you notice who did the uh, score for the film? Yes, that was Howard Shore. <laughs> who would go on to do lesser films like Lord of the Rings and The yeah. Hobbit. <laughs> well, he was also the musical director for Saturday Night Live. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, in the early days, he used they used to do these odd numbers. They were, and now Howard Shore and his all nurse band, or Howard Shore <laughs> and his all B band. I oh yeah. The reason, the reason that I didn't know that is that I stopped watching the uh, yeah. Saturday Night Live show back in oh the seventies, whereas yeah. Max continues to watch it to this day. Someday it's going to be funny again. I know it. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah, yeah that's fine. That's <laughs> fine. You just do your little show and do your little thing. And... <laughs> I'm okay. I just want to know what you did that required you to go through such punishment. No, yeah. no, no. That's not fair. Saturday yeah. Night Live has its moments. Yes, it. There are decades between them. No, 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 no. I'm not. They are fewer and far between anyway. Whatever. How these kids today. But it's an institute and we we must respect it. So so, so you saw it then. Yeah. And have you seen it since then? I've seen it a bunch of times. It's one of those sort of comfort movies because it demands nothing of you. It kind of doesn't. No. I mean, it's one of those movies, it reminds me of, oh God, what was the one we were talking about? I, I guess it was sort of like Empire Records, but there, you keep, no, it, one we talked about before, um, Dazed and Confused. You wait and wait for oh. the major conflict yep. or the crisis, and there isn't one. There are a couple of difficult moments, but. Yeah, and there's some stuff, actually, I had in my notes where it's like, oh, you know, oh, they're going to do this thing. And it was like uh, when they first meet Phil. 
the guy the guy in the camper who wants to be their manager and it's like oh this uh, this is where things go bad it's going to be colonel what's his name all over again yeah, and, yeah. and, and uh, no and no it doesn't go <laughs> that way then then it's like up oh, they interview uh, introduce him to uh mr white tom yeah. hanks up oh, up oh, this is worth oh and he wants the master tapes that's up oh, that that phrase yeah, yeah. that's a bad thing it's gonna oh that's not a problem okay no. so it's like all right so oh, oh then they go with with uh playtone and they meet the, oh this is where things get oh they didn't do that either it's like yeah. you keep waiting for the mustache twirling villain and that doesn't happen which was no. nice it was a really nice touch because it's it points out it's not that there are villains in this business it's the business itself i think the, i think the movie is a nice sort of gentle but very clear-headed picture of yeah the bands are just considered product the record labels yep aren't interested in the music. They don't know who the artists are. They don't listen to a lot of the music. And they're interchangeable. I mean, to me, one of the... I, re, I really like the moment when... Uh, it's right when Tom Hanks is... When Mr. White has taken over and the bass player says, I'm, I'm leaving the band at the end of August. And all the band members are like, what? Oh, my God. And White is just looks at him and goes, but you'll stay with the band through August. He said, yes, sir. And that, and he's fine with that because to him they're interchangeable. Yeah. And hell, when he leaves, when the bass player do, you know disappears, basically because he goes off with some marines he finds, and they go, in a restaurant they go to Disney World because God knows that's what <laughs> marines like to do. Disneyland. Oh, excuse me, it's in California. It's Disneyland. Yep. Yeah. By the way, the exterior shots of Erie, Pennsylvania. That's Orange County. Uh, that's Orange County, uh, California. I felt like awfully warm for Pennsylvania. Yeah, it really did. But, uh, and then they just bring in this guy. Hi, this is Wolfman. Uh, <laughs> he's going to be your new new bass player. Uh, I, I do like the bit where they're like, well, you know, can he handle our music? And he rips off this incredible bass lick. And they're just staring at him. And you can see going through their heads, oh, he's better than any of us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of is. <laughs> Um, it's, it's clear he's a session musician and he's used to this. Like, oh, you want me to fill in? Okay. Now I'm part of the band. <laughs> I'm actually going to bring something up real quick as a, sure. as a field trip here. Uh, session musicians. So for those who are interested in the recording industry and music Ooh, in general, yeah. I want to recommend a documentary if you have not seen it. It's called oh, yeah. The Wrecking Crew. Oh, that is so good. It is all about people like that. Like this guy. And actually what I thought that guy was going to end up being. And that are the, all of these unsung heroes and heroines of rock music of the 60s 70s 80s and there's probably still this sort of thing going on today and you will find that a lot of the bands you thought were playing some of the more famous licks and bits from your favorite songs didn't actually play them it was these people yeah and it was a very loose collection of people studio musicians that would literally run from gig to gig sometimes in the same night like i gotta go record with the beach boys uh i gotta be out of here by eight because i gotta go play at this club downtown mm -hmm. and these are people that up until this as far as i know were never famous except for one that was glenn campbell who actually left the the studio musician thing and went on to become a real star mm. um but people who could probably play the ass off anybody and they could do anything. And one of the best bass players there was a woman. And the coolest thing is she was, they were talking to her and they were saying, so, hey, you know, you were a woman, you were playing all this stuff in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, did people ever like treat you badly because you're a woman? And they're like, actually, no, they didn't. You know, mm. there was one or two comments mm. about, well, she's a, she's a great bass player. 
for a woman but yeah. she said it really once they heard me play the other musicians were fine with it and i thought mm. that was really cool yeah. but again just a quick field trip if you're interested in that kind of thing check it out it's a great documentary you yeah. will find out things about the music industry you never knew people who yeah. play wait wait they played on jazz albums and the beach boys really it's like <laughs> yep they could do anything so i'm guessing that's who wolfman was supposed to be one of those people yeah probably that same idea and there's the implication at the end that that's what guy's going to do once the band breaks up sorry spoiler yeah. Uh, he's going to stay, in, he decides he's going to stay in Los Angeles and he's going to try to be a session musician. Yeah, and he and, doesn't, which is kind of too, well, it's all fictional, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But, uh, which was kind of too bad, but it seems like he was pretty happy. Um, speaking of being pretty happy, I would like to bring up Lenny. Okay. <laughs> so a, Lenny initially. Steve's on. Or, or Leo. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they, they, they use both. Yeah, well, only once they when they those little credits when they're on that TV show and you know mm-hmm. the one where you said uh, uh, no uh, look out girls he's engaged right. they introduce him as Leo mm-hmm. and I don't know why but mm-hmm. initially I'm like oh poor Lenny he can't get a girl you know he's <laughs> trying to get a girl and you know this is at that talent show and right. stuff and it's like oh Lenny but you know what Lenny's my favorite member of the band oh really why because Lenny gets it. <laughs> Lenny knows it's like this is flash in the pan. This is not going. Then if this is real, I don't care. I'm grabbing onto this rope toe and going to the top of the mountain for as long as I can. And <laughs> when it's done, fine. I don't care. He doesn't take any of it particularly seriously. Yeah. Um he he's having a great time. I think he's the only one who doesn't ever show a point where he's like you know, like somewhat down about something. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, a TB God, <laughs> the bass player, is like, well, I'm going to be joining the Marines. You know, so there's that whole thing. Although he's uh, like a puppy dog, is thrilled with that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Jimmy is the 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 soulful. Oh. Yeah. Uh, thank you for me giving me something to bleep. Well, you should um, have at least one in each show. N- n- no. <laughs> um, there, there's Jimmy, who's the soulful artiste. Um, yeah. Although I love his little thing at the end, at the very end of the film, because he's the one who stays with Playtone. And yeah, he, stays, he becomes a very successful producer for them. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, he's he's the one who's all conflicted. Um, there's Guy who's sort of waffling between this, like, wait, I'm the leader of the band? And, you know, wanting to be with, with Liv Tyler's character and stuff. But it's just like, Lenny is just like, this is awesome! We're in a, I'm in a band! Hey, look, I'm, I'm playing in this talent show! Hey, look, we're, we're at this state fair! Hey, look, we recorded a record! Hey, look, we're on TV! Hey, look, I'm going to Vegas! Hey, look, hey, look, I'm, yay! Yeah. yeah, he also is the one who gets the funniest lines. For most of them, I mean, it's like, when, when Jimmy is waffling about signing with their new manager, the guy in the camper, he's like, a guy in a really nice camper wants to put our music <laughs> on, on the air. I'm signing. You're signing. We're all signing. When yeah. he's playing, when, he, when they're uh, on tour on the state fair circuit, which, by the way, was a real thing in the 60s. They used to take oh, rock yeah. acts and send them around to state fairs. Oh, Elvis showed up on a lot of them yep, first. Yep. yep. He's playing Go Fish. You know, everyone else right. poker. And I, I, I also like when they're they're being interviewed by uh, the head of the uh, oh, what was it the F- Future Farmers of America, and he's like, "Oh, I'm not with these fellers. I got a pig in competition, and I am gonna win that blue ribbon." Got any threes? Well, it looks like this little guy is going Go fishing. He's, he is a lot of fun. He just doesn't take it seriously. and yeah. I, He doesn't seem the brightest guy in the world. He probably isn't. But I think he's the only one who really understands, dudes, this is not real. I mean, this the whole is... idea, even Mr. White says, he calls them. He says, one hit wonders. I mean, well, and you know, the sad thing is, is that I didn't see that coming. Yeah. I should have. Oh, actually, I take it back. I saw it coming 
about halfway through the film, it's like, do mm. they have another song? Is there, <laughs> I wonder if they're going to be the one hit Oneaters. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, of course, it's sort of, and it, sadly, once Tom Hanks actually says it, and I wish he didn't, mm. it sort of makes it feels like the whole movie was sort of a lead up to that joke well, it was. that was too bad but well i think there's more to it than that like you said it's a sweet film yeah um it's got some decent performances in it um it's very nostalgic for that time period mm. um there is a definite innocence to it um because you know let's face it they never show anybody really getting into trouble once they like are abusing substances of various types because you know that probably happened all the oh, time sure. oh sure um, at least they were drinking but you never saw that and the odd thing to me is there are a number of setups that obviously where things could have gone horribly, like it's very clear that Jimmy and Diane Dane are yep. have, are in something, but it never goes, we never see anything and nothing explodes about it. No. And there is an interesting little subplot with the bass player and one of the Chantrelines, who is a girl yep. group where all the members are black. Yep. And he's very clearly smitten with one of them. And that actually, again, in the director's cut, uh, it, they expand on that a bit. And I'm kind of glad, I mean, it's too bad because it would have been an interesting plot point, but it really would have distracted for th from things. Like when a guy bursts into his, his uh, hotel room to show him that they're on the top 25, mm -hmm. that scene is actually supposed to extend a little bit, and you discover the reason the bass player looks so disturbed or kind of uncomfortable is the, the girl, whose name I don't think we learn, is has spent the night. She's in bed. Ah. Uh. Yeah. So there's a, uh, there's a lot of that, and there were a lot of things like, uh-oh, this is going to go, oh, okay, it's not. And even when they meet Saul Seiler, the head of Oh, Plato, my God, that is, suit is still burned into my yes, retina. Yes, that wild, <laughs> what'd you call that, salmon pink? or No, that no? salmon's usually a lot more subtle than that. I'm going to say okay. electric pink. Electric pink suit, played by Alex Rocco, which is a really odd choice, because he always plays, you know, he's this gravelly-voiced character actor, always plays gangsters and tough guys and hard-ass cops and he's this very flamboyant record producer who's obviously you know a celebrity in his own right they're way more interested by the way did you notice who one of the photographers who's keeps quizzing him hey sully i saw you at uh, chasen's with suzanne plachette that no. was that was Gede watanabe who you oh, may Gede know Wat as, yeah Gede yes, watanabe yeah who you may know as stupid yeah yeah, from, yeah <laughs> i did recognize him cooney from uhf yep <laughs> yep, I didn't look him up. I meant to, but I mm. uh, I forgot. Um, actually, the one I wondered if you recognized was mm. Vic Koss. Oh, of course, that's Kevin Pollack, boss yeah. Vic Koss. <laughs> and I was like, wait, isn't wasn't he in The Usual Suspects? Oh, Boy, was, there's there's he's a range. Been in everything, my God, yeah. he's been in movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger for God's sake. Is is he a stand up? He sort of. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> sort that's, of. I'm sorry, that's unfair. He's he's he is a stand up. He's mostly he does impressions. He's not bad. Okay. I don't, I, he's not one of my favorites, but he's okay. Yeah. Um, so I have to say, uh, speaking of, of actors, the, mm -hmm. the, the lead there um, at Tom Everett Scott. Yeah. Um, so do you think he took a lot of, um, shall we say, close direction from Tom Hanks? Because my feeling was, hey, there's somebody playing Tom Hanks. It might have been, uh, actually, Tom Hanks didn't want him to play the part because he said he looks like a young me. Yes, he does. And he there's really a lot of does. mannerisms. That... And his wife said, oh, come on. He's cute. Let's use him. <laughs> that was it. That's mm. why he stayed in the movie. Tom Hanks didn't want him. I mean, I think he did a great job. He was yeah. fine. But I just kept thinking, mm, it's like big. A little bit. <laughs> he was a, he Except, was a little like Hanks Jr. It's not 
not as big. <laughs> but I was just like, this guy feels like there's a couple of facial expressions and stuff. He feels like Tom Hanks. And then mm. later, I didn't know that Tom was going to be in the film. So later, I have a note that says, Tom Hanks, meet Tom Hanks. Because <laughs> they do. Yeah, kind of. Um, I, the, I, the, we could tell very early on that Tina was not going to be staying with Guy. Um, no. Very no. obvious. Not interested. Um, especially when she meets Lunk Heartthrob, the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, chunk beef pile. It pretty much, pretty much. Uh, I meant to look him up. Was he anybody? Uh, no, no, he was, he was not. nobody. Okay. He was no one at all. That's well, why he only has like two lines. His name was is Keith Newbert. <laughs> you might know him from The Young and the Restless. Hello, I'm a handsome actor. Uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, other than that, he was um, in Baywatch. Oh well, there you go. Uh, yeah, no, I'm sure show. he and Tina went off and had a spectacularly beautiful children. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, so you know that that went mm. went away pretty quick. Um, Jimmy Jimmy is kind of an interesting character. I mean, you, you get the sense right away that he is not a nice person. I I don't I don't know if I'd say he's not a nice person. I would say that he is definitely he's the most conflicted of the characters mm. and I think he's the one who has the most aspirations to be somebody capital B capital S yeah he um, wants to be famous you can tell he wants to be great but yeah. he is also incredibly self-involved and selfish yes. little yes, things is. like when they're on the plane to California and Faye is sick she's get, yep. catch, getting the flu and it's Guy who takes care of her and he comes over and says you know Faye's not feeling very good Jimmy doesn't bat an eye he doesn't nope. ask he, he just moves right on to what are we doing next yeah and it's interesting because it's his wrestling with fame is it's definitely a a plus and a minus because it's like good now people are hearing my music minus now they're hearing the same song over and over i want yeah. more yeah. i want them to do more i want to do more so you know you get the the impression that this is sort of like he he represents I don't know why this just leapt into my mind. He represents the monkeys because he is the, well, he's the guy in the popular group, but it's mm. like, I don't want to do what the record company wants. I want to make real music. I want to make my own stuff. I want yeah. to do the real thing. Mm -hmm. um, and the rest of the band is sort of like, you've got Lenny on one side. It's like, just, just, let's just do this. Come on. This is awesome. They're flying as places, hotels, movie yeah, stars. It's, it's even when they first signed the contract. Jimmy says, and I gotta say, the line sounds so wooden when he says yeah. it, but it fits him. I'm reluctant to sign anything relating to my music. Right. And it's Lenny who says, are you crazy? A guy in a really nice camper, etc. He's the one who basically pushes them into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's not very nice to uh, uh, Faye. I'm no, not, he's, I, he's, I re he's really mean. He's very unpleasant to her. What I think and, is interesting is that, that Liv Tyler in this actually looks younger than she does in Empire Records, which yeah. was made the year before. <laughs> yeah. And I love there are little things about her that she is such she is such a sweet character. Faye is such a sweet person. And you could little things like right in the beginning, when they first hear the song on the radio and she's listening to it on a transistor and she's mailing a letter and she freezes with the stamp still on her tongue. Yeah. And she starts to run away, and then she comes back, puts the stamp on the letter, and mails the letter. It's like, it doesn't matter that she's, you know, ecstatic or freaking out. It's like, uh, I've got something to do. I'm going to do it. Yeah. 
Um, interesting thing about the the radios there. Boy, sound quality of transistor radios was a lot better than yeah, I remembered. Yeah, it was remarkably <laughs> clear. And yeah. I was like, wow, since when do those trans those single speaker transistor radios sound like you know five point one speaker stereo systems? Yeah, stereo. Mm, yeah, stereo. Yeah. Not a big thing back not, in nineteen sixty four. Yeah, it's certainly not. I think we're still on AM then, so there wasn't any. I it think, was, if I'm not mistaken, to this FM. day, oh, wow. I don't, I don't know. But I think to this day, you don't get stereo in AM. I think it's just FM. No kidding. Um, no, I don't know. Yeah, huh. and if and if I'm wrong, you can write me at. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, Liv Tyler in this, uh, I was surprised because. I, there's, you know, she doesn't have a lot of performances, at least not a lot that I've seen. But she's actually a really good actress, and she had one part in here that I that I made note of that I really like, and that is her little showdown at the end with Jimmy. Oh, because where she verbally smacks him around. Yep, she does, and she does it in such a restrained and dignified, very dignified, but still emotional way. Mm-hmm. It's like she has sat there and. Even in such a short time, like, and we never do find out who put in the line about them being engaged. I suspect it was White, but he doesn't own up to it. Well, he sort of does. He, he says, which one of you butts put that line in? And White says, the same guy who said you had class, Jimmy. Yeah, well, did and, he ever say that, though? That's the thing, is we don't know. Yeah, we know. don't know. That's true. Um, but the thing is, is it's even though that's the deciding point, her character, Faye, has obviously been able to take all of the little signs that have been going on through the only two months tour and this rise to stardom and it articulate them in a very cutting and yet not cruel manner. Mm-hmm. She states her case so well, so succinctly, and really there isn't any blame on her side. She's been there supporting the band, supporting Jimmy, being there, thought she was in love with somebody that she turns out she doesn't know. And it's a really, and she doesn't tear up. I, you sit there waiting for her to start crying again. That's sort of the theme of this film. You keep waiting for those tropes and they never mm. actually come. It's yeah. very much like a link ladder film. Mm. And it was a really nice little speech. And I was just like, wow, that's a great little performance there. Yeah. Yeah. That, I agree. And I compare that to Corey in Empire Records, and she's much more manic and much more emotionally outbursty in that. And it's like, it's a nice, in those two films, there's a nice bit of range there. Uh, and then, of course, she was in Armageddon. Um, yeah, well. Yeah, or wait, was Lord it, of the Rings. Wait, was it Deep Impact? No, it was Armageddon. No, it was Armageddon. What was, it was the one where she deep... couldn't have gluten in her pants? That's <laughs> the one. That's Armageddon. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, that was the, the cookie sex scene. but yeah. it's the, the most afflictish scene in the movie. Yeah. And moving on. Yeah, no, mm. I, I I think she did a great job here. Yeah. Um, yeah and there should still be more Alan Ruck in movies. Uh, <laughs> what? Okay, You <laughs> mentioned fine. him last week, right? Yeah, true. He, he would have worked in this. Yeah, he, he probably could. Um, did you notice that um, uh, credited as, as themselves? Uh, who? Mickey and Goofy. <laughs> Oh, I did not notice that. Yeah, yeah, I was like, wait, what? Why do they get credit? Because it's Disney and you do not want to piss off the Disney. I guess. Mickey Mouse as himself, Goofy as himself. No, it's a licensed likeness. You have to to, uh, give credit. Yeah, but usually you just say Mickey and Goofy courtesy Disneyland or something. You wouldn't say playing themselves. They're just like... You know, in the background with Mark, and I know his name's not Mark. Um, There's the bass player, well, TB, which, Mm -hmm. you know, tuberculosis, that's a great nickname. Um, At Disneyland, when he's found his buddies, the the Marines, and he's dropped and shown them a hundred. So, yeah. Push-ups. Push-ups. Push-ups, yes. (laughs) Um, 
his character doesn't get a lot of screen time, but you know, there's I enjoy. Not, there's not much to his character. His character is fairly shallow. No, and it's interesting because it's like he obviously likes playing the bass well enough to do it fairly well, and he's enjoying the band well enough. But he's just enamored of being a marine. So mm-hmm. that's you know, that's good, what he's into. Good for him. He gets to do what he wants to do. Yeah, good hey, for him. He gets to go to Vietnam. So, uh, speaking of uh, reunions, I'm surprised mm-hmm. you didn't touch on the other huge reunion in this film. Uh oh, what? The bosom buddies are back together oh, again. Yes, of course. Peter Scolari <laughs> as Roy Chesterfield, who <laughs> Tom Hanks decided to give a job to, because the two of them used to be on the on their sitcom Bosom Buddies, which Max, by the way they were hilarious on. Max, hmm? mint donut. <laughs> Thank you. I think <laughs> I will. <laughs> I think Gloria's had her hand in the hormone jar. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. For who those are, who never, who are the Paloi and what makes them so hoy? <laughs> For those who don't remember or never saw it, wouldn't surprise me. Um, the entire show was based on the idea that somehow in the '80s there was still an all-girls. Um, it wasn't. It was a hotel for for women. Well, it was a sort of a hotel apartment building sort of thing for women only. And somehow Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari in drag uh, fooled everyone so they could get a cheap apartment in in California, um, mm. and hilarity ensued. Yeah, pretty much. It was uh, well, would have, it would have been an absolutely terrible show except for the two of them, Buffy and Hildegard. Yep, Buffy and Hildegard. I, I, they get those names because they're both. The, yeah. Oh, uh, her name is uh, Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and her name is uh, Hildegard. They're glaring yeah. at each other. Well, oh, were yeah. they re- reporters? Were no, they were. No, no, they were advertising. Uh, advertising cop, copywriters. Okay. Or I mean, uh, yeah. Tom Hanks was he was a visual artist and. He was like, the yeah, basically Henry or Peter Scolari wanted to be a writer and Tom Hanks wanted to be a, a painter. And they were two of the best built women on that show. Yeah. Tom Hanks is about seven foot five. And uh, Peter, Peter Scolari, Scolari had very strong ma- masculine features. Yeah, the double chin and the, the mm. Adam's apple and the <laughs> giant linebacker shoulders, although he wasn't very tall, but still no. was just like... Yeah, no one's buying this. Really? Really? Oh, well. Oh, it was the 80s. and There were some French characters like kissing Tom Hanks' hand going, I like a woman with large knuckles. <laughs> wasn't one of the girlfriends also one of the, uh, the, wasn't she the sister in Back to the Future? Yes. I think, uh, oh, God, I can never remember I her remember name. Her. Yes, she was Michael J. Fox's sister. Yeah, okay. Yeah, she played Amy in the show. And, yeah. uh, what was her name? I think Donna Dick, Donna Dixon. Donna Dixon. Okay. Yeah, who is I believe famous for being I think married to Chevy Chase. Oh, I thought she was famous for being Donna Dixon. Yeah, pretty well. Did was... did she play Ellie May in the reboot of Beverly Hillbillies? No, that was uh, Erica Eleniak, I think. I really sorry that you know that. So am I, especially because Uncle <laughs> Jed was played by Jim Varney. Ah, uh, yes. Well, mm. you know. Uh, well, Vern. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, this is a weird thing. I don't think anyone would have caught, and I, I'm sure it's a coincidence. But there's a a uh, another act on the the big Ed Sullivan like TV show uh-huh. that the name of which caught my name, and it's Paul Pope and his primates. Right. Um, Paul Pope is a cartoonist. Oh. Um, yeah, he's done a lot of mm, underground's not the right word. Alternative comics. Oh, oh, okay. He also has done some mainstream. He actually did a series of Batman that was very popular. 
Um, he's done. He's working on a, a an all ages graphic novel series right now. But uh, I was like, Paul Pope. That sounds like a name that was picked, and I, I don't mm. imagine anybody was a cartoonist fan. But I was like, oh, I know who Paul Pope is. Well, um, so there's a bunch of stuff with names in this. For I mean, example. What was it? Villapianos, you know, the pizza joint that they start playing in uh, out yep. by the airport. Yep. Tom Hanks is a big Oakland Raiders fan, and he named the uh, place after the former Oakland Raider linebacker Phil Villapiano. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. Yep. Um, oh, th- one of the things, just thinking of names again, at one point you see Jimmy is working in his notebook trying to find a name for the band before they get to the O-Neaters. Or, <laughs> O-Neaters. And... O-Neaters. and <laughs> Some of them in there are things like the Lords of Erie, the Mozarts, the Echoes, the Ticks, the Didactics, and the Flannels. Farther down on the page, it's apparently almost impossible to see. There's Mom's Hot Dish, (laughs) the Hanks, and and Faye's Addiction. Oh, wow. You should have gone for that. Um, (laughs) I'm going to put a shout out right now for for a side character that I really liked, and that's Mm -hmm. Lamar. Lamar was cool, although he is kind of a throwback to the old magic Negro trope. He is a little bit. The thing is, is I just liked him as a person because it's like, this is the guy you want to know. Yeah. I mean, I love the scene where a guy wants to find a jazz jazz club. Lamar, where's the place that plays good jazz? He goes, oh, you want good jazz? Good jazz. Tell me this. Who played coronet with Jacques St. Clair on Vital Stats? And he goes, uh, Scotty McDonald, get in the cab. Get yeah. in the cab. It's a great <laughs> moment. Yeah, and he, he is that kind of that trope, and that part is too bad. But I don't know. I just, like, that's a guy I want to know more about. Yeah. Like, I was interested in him. It was a quick performance. There's not a lot there, but I like the character. He's so charming. You instantly just want to know this guy because you know he knows everything. Yeah, and everybody. Yeah. And I... it's, it's too bad because he's like, I, I bet there's a whole movie just in Lamar. But... I think so. I, I also, there's that one line Saul Siler has when Jimmy is trying to schmooze with him or yeah. trying to get it. I just like, he's like, get Fabian away from me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fabian wasn't a flash in the pan. He was a serious artist. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, there was a, a weird scene that I, I had in my notes, too. It's like they're doing, they, they start off at the talent show and they do their thing and mm-hmm. then everything's cool. Uh, and then they get picked up by Phil and they start doing state fairs. And then they get to Wisconsin, and it's like, uh, <laughs> what the hell is going on? Why are there all these dancers? What's with the yoga? Uh, yeah, they were I, doing I, go-go I, dancing, basically. I guess, but it's just like, we're going to add all these platforms and all these women, and we're going to do all this stuff. And it's like, okay, um, I don't get it. Why stop? Make that go away. But I, I, did, I liked the other stars of the Playtone Galaxy. Because they were such standard, they were such, like, I don't know, icons of certain types. There was the weary guy with the one song, Mr. like, Freddie Fredrickson. Oh, Rex Manning? (laughs) Not even, I don't think he's even Rex Manning, because the implication is Rex Manning had a whole career. This guy is obviously built off one song that was a theme song for a TV show called Mr. Downtown. Well, see, that's I just, that's why I thought you know, and, the, the family way, and that's like I, I immediately went to Rex Manning because he had that that mm. smarmy, like I'm hip, but no, no, you're really not. So and he's and he's so condescending to them. Hey, you mm. kids have fun out there, and yeah, I heard your song. It's catchy. <laughs> that's yeah. it. And Diane Dane, the fading torch singer. Yeah. And even the Chanterlines, who were sort of like the last one of the last of the girl groups. 
Yeah. But at least they look like they're having a good time. One of the things, too, I liked about this is it actually, you know, to a very small extent, showed some of the work behind the show's business. Mm. You know, it's like, it's not like, hey, we come out and play and everything's great. And then we get all this, you know, the women and the wine and the money and no, blah, blah, blah. It's like, this... no, we're, and she goes through her, her bit and she's out there and she's, you know, singing to nobody because they're doing a sound check or whatever, their rehearsal, whatever. And then she eventually goes and sits with Jimmy, but it's obvious she is bored to tears. Yeah. She has done this song so many times. She's so yeah. sick of it. And I, I like when they first meet Freddie Fredrickson and they start singing his song to him and he has this look. It's a fleeting thing, but it's just like, oh, God, oh yeah, no one has been singing that at me for the past however many years. And also the way he treats the band, you get the impression it's like, yeah, I'm on this tour for life. Yeah. I've seen you guys come and go. Yeah. It's like, I know I'm not going to be on TV. I'm not going to have a hit record, but I'm going to have a job in six months and you won't. Um, and like he's right. The, and yeah, he is. That's the, you know, well, of course, it's the most unbelievable part is that they got so far so fast and then nothing. They're like, no, we're done. No, well, that's not. Actually, there were a, a lot of one hit wonder bands like that. That's two not months. so hard to believe. Two yeah. Two months. Two months. Some mm. of them, hell, some mm. of them last only a few weeks. The What's it? Dexie's Midnight Runners, the ones who did the song Come On Eileen. Well, I think they, they were together like six weeks. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that part's true, but the part that is true mm. is that. I think it was literally the day after they made the video, they broke up. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, they were not so I together did long. I did like the little nod to Boston in there. Yeah, I oh, bet wait. you missed it. I bet I did. What was it? So during the talent competition at the beginning, yeah. they have the little audience meter, and you can get up oh, to wicked. very good, super, or wicked. Yeah. They're wicked good. Wicked good. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I can see that as a nod, a shout out to Boston. It, 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 it's not. I totally just. <laughs> So. I, there are little things, just some of the background shots I really like. When they're doing the show, they're doing the TV show, and they're showing the audience, and all the teenagers are screaming and waving their arms, and they cut to this one older guy, white hair, mustache, with this very world-weary look, and he's just looking around at them with very slight, like, really? Yeah. This is what, I don't get it. You guys are well, going nuts for this. I don't understand why. A little further down that same further down a little bit later <laughs> in that scene you see some of the other audience members and there's like peppered in between all the screaming kids are some older folks yeah and they're all doing the same thing they're all like yep yep that's that's a band uh -huh. yep, they sure wow, are that's, wow that's loud i, I don't understand this long-haired stuff i kind of like guy's family you know as he his family is the only one of their families they ever see yeah you know his sister who has one line does that mean you're gonna pay me now i didn't say that and she just gives this long suffering, like, yeah, I could have seen that coming. Yeah. And mom yeah. has very little personality, although obviously she's a lot tougher than she looks. It's like when they're when they're on TV and they're watching it at home and everyone's talking and she goes, quiet, I want to hear this. And everyone shuts up. Yeah. Well, she's also in the in the store when the, the song's on the radio. She's and, like starting to bop around. And yeah. She's, and she's the only one of the family who's like, oh, this is neat. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, th I think that's... I think it's nice and a nice indicator. The Roundup. Now, Max. Yes. Do you, you like know, this now film? Paul. Now, Paul. You know, no, you know, you can't say, you know. You can't say pants on the air. You know that? Yeah. If, if these weren't real questions, could I do this? <laughs> I'm, I'm shaking my questions. Yes. I can't see that. Um, so, Max, <laughs> uh, do, do you like this film? I do. I like this movie a lot. This is a sort of comfort movie for me. 
Yeah. When I'm, you know, just want, I want something not too hard. I'm in a low, I'm feeling low. I want to see something pep. I want, it's like a pop song for me. It's like, I want something peppy. You know, like, uh, like Mr. White says, you know, I don't want, I don't want any of this uh, wounded lover crap. I want something peppy, <laughs> something upbeat. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. One other thing. When Jimmy sings that I quit song. Yeah. He, he said in an interview once that he did that at his audition. That was how oh. he auditioned for the part. He actually improv the song, the I Quit song. Oh, it's and they were like, to the oh, okay, I like that. Um, sorry, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, what about uh, you? This was your first time seeing it. What'd you think? Well, I have to make one little argument first. Yeah. Uh, this is not a rock fantasy. It is a pop fantasy. Oh, okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, I had no idea what to expect. Mm -hmm. uh, when I heard that Tom Hanks wrote and directed and is in it, I'm like, wait, how did that happen? Um, and how did I not know he'd done that? I didn't know he directed anything else. Um, so I really didn't know what to expect going in. And in the beginning, I'm, my the thoughts were, why did Max pick this film? It's like Hidden Gem, really? And it's like, you know, you're just in the appliance store and, you know, the band and it's, it's starting to get going. And then it's that song pops up and it's like, that's a pretty catchy song. And it gets rolling and it's like, you know, it's not very realistic, but it is awfully charming. It is awfully fun. And it is one of those films, at least for me after having watched it it's like not only could i see myself watching wanting to watch it again i kind of already do it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice because it, it is it's nice it's nice it's a nice film it's a very it, hanksian tale uh, <laughs> yeah and the acting is good the dialogue is good and the music yeah. is a lot of fun yeah it is a lot of fun um it's it's you know very nostalgic um you know that the whole beatles thing the beatles appeared on Ed Sullivan a year before I was born. Mm -hmm. um, so I rem the, the bits of the 60s I remember are very small, but I remember tiny little bit. And then there's things that I pretend to remember that I don't, like the moon landing. Because <laughs> I remember it being during the summer, and it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Um, so, you know, I, for younger audiences, you know, I can see where they might not have the connection because, you know, the music is very dated. Um, it's a time period that, you know, in some ways has been done to death. Anything to do with the Beatles or around the Beatles has been done to death. But it is, like you say, comfort food. Yeah. It doesn't ask much of you except to basically tap your, your toes or clap your hands. Um, the people are fun. It's it does. It, you wait for that for the film to turn nasty. You know, like, yeah. you know, like, again, like Days and Confused, a link ladder film. You keep waiting for that. Film. Oh, nope, somebody's going to have a drug overdose. Oh, someone's going to fall off the moon tower. Oh, and they don't. No. And the first time you see it, it might be a little bit like, oh, here it comes, here it comes. And you're like, you're kind of sitting on the edge. But then you realize, nope, this is just nice. Yeah. It is just a nice movie. There, there um, is some conflict, but it's minor and it's tolerable and it's believable. Yeah. I, you know, again, I think that, that in general we would have found that, uh, you know, the... Uh, showbiz industry a lot nastier than this but yeah it it's still it gives you the idea you it know does. it's obvious that, that everything is manufactured mm -hmm. um that was nice they didn't shy away from that it's like no you're going to wear sunglasses because i need to make you into a character yeah um you're the most even if you're not necessarily the prettiest you're the most charismatic member of the band well it's um, I, I like which, how he even just not what? true for ringo no well <laughs> he was very cute. nice <laughs> Are you sad all the time? No, it's just me face. <laughs> but I do even he even categorizes them. He says, you know, Jimmy's the talent, Leo's the clown. Yeah. You know, you're the smart one. 
And we'll just forget about the bass player. And the bass player, whatever. <laughs> Wolfman Jack coming at you right now from WKZZZZ. Wrong, wrong Wolfman, yes. Yeah, I know. Um, Ow, yeah, look, buddy. For, that's really the wrong Wolfman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no making Polly Shore references. Oh, Howard okay. Shore, yes. Polly Shore, no. Well, that's fair. Um, but, you know, Encino <laughs> Man. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I, I'm definitely going to give this one a thumbs up, and yeah. I can see how this could become one of a corral of films that you like to watch every so often, just because it's nice. But why do you, you think know? it didn't make? Why do you think it didn't make it? Why was it? Uh, why is it hidden? I, th- I think it's in the, just got released at the wrong time. Yeah, that's possible. I think '96. Weren't we right in the middle of grunge? Yeah, we really there wasn't a lot. I don't know how much nostalgia there was for the '60s, and also this movie. Nobody knew Tom Hanks as a director. It was like, oh well, God, another actor who thinks he can direct. And this one, it's not that dramatic. It's not like, oh, you should see the incredible whatever. It's yeah. just nice. And I guess yeah. that doesn't sell as much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, we were in the middle of grunge. We were starting mm. to become more ironic. Um, yeah. I, so I think that it was just not, I, I'm going to say it's timing was just off. Otherwise, it's like I could easily see that song becoming popular. Mm-hmm. Um, I could easily see. You know, like we talked about with Tapeheads, a great film. Don't listen to Max. Um, I could easily see the band doing a little tour as the band, although I'm guessing that none of them actually sung or played. Oh, no, none of them did. They rehearsed together as a band for eight weeks just to see what it was like. But of them, the only one who's a musician is Steve Zahn. Who's that? Uh, Lenny. He actually plays the guitar and sings. Really? Yeah. Oh, good Uh, for him. But they still didn't use his voice or his playing. Uh, well, I like it when he takes his turn as the uh, lead singer for that yeah. the other song, which gets played once, and it's like, "Hey, you're pretty. You sound just like Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't tell you apart." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. No, I liked him. I, I, I he, again, he was my favorite character. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. So this one so, yeah. definitely deserves a wider audience. Yeah, and I'm not sure when you could have released it that it might have worked better. Mm. Um, but I think that just when it came, I'm going to take a guess. '96, I don't remember that, you know, off the top of my head for films. But I, you know, the the grunge thing was going on. Oh, oh you know, those dirty grunge kids. You know, they, I don't. They, they should take a bath. That had kind of peaked because by that point, uh, Kurt Cobain was dead. Oh and... right. Yeah. Well, yeah, but we still had you know Pearl. Cream. It was. I mean, I'm sorry, Pearl Jam and <laughs> Stone Temple Pilots and all those yeah. guys. Yeah, it's true. But we were in, as they called it, starting up with the post-ironic era, and this this film is a lot more earnest than that. It's more, you know, it's not ironic. It's not snarky or sarcastic. No, I'm not sure if it would have. Like usually, what happens is you get nostalgia about 20 years later. Yeah. I'm not sure if this would have worked in the 60s and in the 80s or not, but. Eh. Um, it's just, I think the late 90s is just not the right time for it. Maybe. Um, so That could be it. All right. So, well, that's how we feel on that one. And uh, next week, we are oh, starting... What are we doing next week, Next Max? week, we are starting a new series. A what? Uh, yes, indeed. We are moving away from Hidden Gems and into a brand new chocolatey-covered fudgy goodness series. But I'm not prepared. You will be. You must be. But, but our canned cocktails. <laughs> Mike and I, of course, are huge gaming geeks and have been for most of our lives. Yes, and, oh uh, dear God, most of our lives. That's mm, true. I know. <laughs> Scary, isn't it? You know, I, I can actually blame you. Yeah, it was my fault. I, I, I corrupted this, this innocent, fair, fair-haired youth 
Okay, I but, was so innocent. Yes, yes, he was sitting there. He came to school in his little sailor suit with a, a big, fair uh, young soccer player with, with a big with a big lollipop and dreams and a in heart. His, his dreams in his eyes. And <laughs> I led him down the dark, terrible, satanic path of Dungeons and Dragons. <gasps> and we had talked about this, and we were discussing: Has there ever been a really good Dungeons and Dragons movie? I mean. A movie that captures the spirit of adventurers going out, as someone has referred to them, I'm not sure where the phrase comes from, a <laughs> band of murder hobos, basically, <laughs> who go around killing and taking things and have no place to live. There have been a lot of movies that come close, a lot of movies that tried. The most obvious and probably, and Mike and I, we apparently disagree on this, the one I think that comes closest is Lord of the Rings. But we'll get to that. Yes, we will. Because here we're starting out next week at the bottom or, okay, that's unfair. It's not the bottom. It's just, it's not very oh, good. Oh, it is not the bottom. No. <laughs> but we are starting with Aragon. E-Ragon. E-Ragon. For all your online ragon needs. Sorry, Riftrax. Yeah, Aragon. Yep. So Mike will if be you, teaching us through that. If you accidented your way into that film and have seen it, <laughs> or if you'd like to accident your way into the film and watch it before our show, next week we start our D&D series with E-Ragon. Yes, indeed. And until then... But before then... but And possibly during... Oh, no, 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 wait, wait. You're what? not doing it again this week. You, no, 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 no. What? This week you're doing it right. Okay, okay. We're going to end right. don't do it right, gonna you're do it going properly. to be fired. Here we go. That this is... We're, we're finishing up now the end with the thing, and we're going... You're going off script? Go, Get I'm on not script? On, oh, there's on what script? script? We've never had a script in our lives. Who are you kidding? Max Mike Movies is a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Want to contact us? You can find our episodes online at maxmikemovies.com or follow our Twitter feed at maxmikemovies.